Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you. It is 9.03 here on SENZ and uh, we're going to talk some Commonwealth Games this morning and why wouldn't we? Particularly, we're going to talk uh, cycling straight after uh, our sermon very shortly. Del Woodford, our cycling commentator, comes into us. Uh, on the back of some wonderful performances. It's just been quite amazing, and they continue to come. Uh, also, uh, 9.25, we'll give uh, a Commonwealth Games medal tally update. Australia, by far and away, uh, dominant there. There's no doubt about that. I don't think there was ever going to be. 10.04 this morning, Dave Worsley uh, will uh, come to us uh, in terms of the squash. Paul Cole and Joel King competing, of course, in the squash singles, uh, and uh, they're going really, really well. Uh, the panel with Brad Lewis and Aidan McLaughlin this morning, Commonwealth Games theme as well, with uh, some rugby and some other stuff thrown into. And just after 11 o'clock, we'll be talking to Justin Nelson, of course, uh, NBL commentator, former GM of uh, the NBL in New Zealand. Um, who's uh, Who are the high flyers? Plus, uh, we've got the uh, three-on-three uh, Tall Blacks and Tall Ferns results coming in from the Commonwealth Games as well. We'll have Mount Rushmore around about uh, quarter to 12 this morning. Uh, your favourite Commonwealth Games, favourite Commonwealth Games moments over the years and uh, on the evidence of what's happened in the last four or five days, that may well have changed, mightn't it? Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, worse than that actually, toxic environment leading to all sorts of innuendo and allegations. It was the blueprint for pretty much everything that was wrong with the culture of New Zealand sport apparently. 2018, just one Commonwealth Games ago, former New Zealand Solicitor General Mike Heron QC headed an inquiry into allegations of bullying, intimidation, an inappropriate personal relationship, a drinking culture and a general lack of accountability. 2021, following the sudden passing of Olivia Podmore, they went in again. It resulted in a major overhaul of culture and practices. There were resignations of top brass and it became a trigger for many coaches to actually take a good long look in the mirror themselves. Now, I'm not saying for one moment that everything is picture perfect and 100% in Cycling New Zealand, but if results on the track are anything to go by, then they've certainly found the right pathway and the right remedy. The performance of these athletes thus far in Birmingham has been nothing short of fantastic. Only three times before across all codes have New Zealand athletes won three golds in the same Commonwealth Games. Weightlifter Darren Liddell back in 1998 track and field great Yvette Williams back in 54 and fellow pad, uh, fellow peddler uh, Gary Anderson in 1990. Now after four days of intense stuff at the velodrome add Elise Andrews and Aaron Gate to the role of honour. Yes that's the same Elise uh, who the plonkers that run the show refused to give his silver medal for help, helping out her teammates in the true spirit of competition and values. God only knows why they would punish someone for that. I mean it, itself it's a form of denial and bullying isn't it? Proud parents John and Angela must be uh, over the moon with their incredible 22-year-old daughter. Both cycling products and excellent ones at that. The commitment and the work ethic, they know exactly what is required. This is a cool story. And tip of the cap too to you, Aaron Gate, not to be outdone, an absolutely brilliant treble. Cycling is in the news again, this time for the right reasons, and kudos to them, it has to be said.
Well, it's been another golden day at the Velodrome for the Kiwis competing in the 2022 Birmingham Games. Uh, coming into the final day of the track cycling program, it was possible that New Zealand could break their previous record of six cycling golds set at the 2014 Glasgow Games. Well, they've smashed it. Gold medals for Elise Andrews and Aaron Gates saw the New Zealand team pass that mark while they also became fourth and fifth Kiwis to win three golds, as I said, behind Williams, Anderson and Liddell. Joining us uh, on SENZ right now to talk about that success is cycling commentator Del Woodford. I would imagine, Del, you're just puffing your chest out a wee bit at the moment. Yeah, pretty proud, uh, Ian, absolutely. It's been a wonderful Commonwealth Games for the track cyclists and, you know, the, the sport's been, as, as you mentioned, through some turbulent times and, you know, it's just nice to see that, that core group of athletes uh, really perform at these games and, and enjoying themselves along the way. Gold again this morning for Elise Andrews in the Kieran, the third of the games. What does it take to, to win a Kieran event in comparison to some of those other events that she races and her versatility is quite incredible. Oh, it is. And she's an amazing athlete. Of course, a former junior world champion in the individual pursuit of world champion and world record holder in an endurance event and then turned her attentions to sprint and uh, you know, you'd almost call her a Karen specialist now, Olympic silver medalist, Commonwealth Games gold medalist. Um, she, she's got this. I think people underestimate her speed. Uh, we know she's got the strength and, and power, but I think they really underestimate and get a fright at how fast she is. Her acceleration is incredible, and she has the ability to go from a long way out. So, you know, at the Karen, um, the, the Karen that you've got to have nerves of steel. It's it's, it's a dangerous race. You're, you're racing in close quarters uh, at massive speed in those last you know, two and a half laps. And, yeah, she likes to get out front and, um, and, and hold them off. And she did that brilliantly. And, you know, to, to get two wins over the Olympic champion, Kelsey Mitchell, who's been the premier sprinter of the last couple of seasons, um, absolutely amazing for Elise. Again, fantastic performances. Just so young. How much in front of her? Oh, so much, really. Um, gee, looking forward to Paris and, uh, you know, the rest of the world will be sitting up and watching and studying seeing what Elise Andrews has done and how, she, how she's ridden. She's going to have a long, a long career. She'll, you know, stick with sprinting for, for a good few more years. But then, you know, down the track, she could go back to being an endurance rider. As I said, she's been a former you know, junior world champion and, and record holder in the pursuit. And, you know, she could slot back into that. So she could have a very long career if she chooses to and, um, and wants to you know, keep going for, for many, many years in the sport. Do you think they'll overturn that decision on the, the silver when she was helping out her teammates? Do you think the, they'll see common sense there? You would like to think so in the spirit of the games, wouldn't you? You know, it's, the rules say you have to start with four. You don't have to finish with four. Um, and, and, you know, she did what she had to do and I think you know, the reason she couldn't get to the medal presentation was the fact she was warming up for the sprint event so I thought it was a really harsh decision and um, I'd like to think that common sense prevailed in and they you know, do the right thing but you know, we saw for the English, the paracyclists, they didn't do the right thing so they didn't, you know, in awarding that bronze medal so to them so you know, if that's the precedent set she won't get it no, it's it's crazy. It's crazy for me. Just <clears throat> to me, it doesn't signal uh, the right things. But anyway, let's um, move on to uh, Aaron Gate because we cannot ignore his performance either. Three golds in the same Commonwealth Games, including the latest one in the uh, 40k and uh, uh, the 40k points race. 
Uh, just explain the, how the, the scoring works, could you, for our, for our listeners and for me too? Yeah, so the, the, the scoring in the points race is sprint every 10 laps, um, 5, 3, 2 and 1 are the points in those, so you accumulate those throughout the race. And then if you lap the field, you get 20 points added to that total. So if you, you know, you could be on zero points after four sprints and someone's on 20, you get a lap on the field, you gain 20 points to put yourself on even, even terms. And then on the last sprint, it's double points. So instead of being five, three, two, one, it's, it's doubled. So, um, yeah, and it was a dominant performance by Aaron. So he picked up plenty of sprints. It was an unusual points race. And in fact, it was quite fast the whole way. No one, Really, you know, apart from that group that got the lap, there weren't a lot of laps taken in the points race, and that that can be quite rare at this um, at this level. Usually, riders are flying off left, right, and centre, and we'll see lots of different groups get laps. But the Commonwealth Games is a little bit different because there's three riders from each country competing, whereas at the Olympics and at the World Champs, there's one. So that's one of the, the cool things from a cycling perspective is you see the the countries working as a team in these individual events as well. So it was uh, really exciting. The New Zealand team in that event, Corbin Strong played a huge part in the, the gold and silver medal rides, the, the way he rode uh, and contributed there in third gold medal. Well, it, it was um, it was quite poignant too because uh, once he'd had that uh, gold medal pretty well secured, he worked very hard for teammate Campbell Stewart to get the silver. Yes, he did. Very put himself in a fantastic position in that last sprint, and you know they made the English rider work very hard. And as I said, like Corbin did an amazing uh, job during the race as well, positioning himself. He got a warning actually on the, the second to last sprint for for assisting, um, and and then of course with Aaron assisting on the last sprint, they can't give Aaron a warning because he's going. He, he's in the race for the medal. So um, the the team assistance didn't really apply in, in that situation but it, he did it perfectly because they, they made it too hard for the English rider to to get up there and Aaron Gate played it perfectly to secure that silver medal for Campbell Stewart and you know, a fantastic performance they're, they're both uh, former Omnium world champions and Corbin's a, a world, former world points race champion so you know, to see them first and second on, on that podium was no surprise that it was a very, very good team effort and an outstanding Commonwealth Games for, for Aaron Gate. Once again, he's just a phenomenal athlete. What's in store for Aaron? He's uh, at the slightly other end of the uh, age scale compared to uh, LS, of course. Uh, he's, uh, what, approaching 31 or maybe 32 now. So what's on in track for him, you think? Yeah, it's, you know, Aaron's can do everything so well. Um, he's racing on the road in Europe for the Golden Equities Black Spoke uh, Pro Cycling Team. The New Zealand team is you know, really doing well in Europe at the moment. So he's a big part of that and he's had some big wins there. He's, he's dabbled in a professional road career with uh, some you know, sort of lower ranked to world tour teams and probably had his career robbed a little bit with those teams because some of them had just rubbish equipment and he had a lot of really bad luck in races big races because of equipment failures and I think without those he probably if he had chosen to could have been on the on the world tour racing the biggest races in the world. Now at his age I'm not sure that some of those world tour teams are, are you know, not really looking at riders in their 30s anymore. They were five or six years ago but now they're looking for riders in their 20s. Um, I think for for Aaron the, the Olympic Games still means a hell of a lot and you know, if they can keep this core group of endurance riders together, you know, Jordan Kirby, Tom Sexton, Campbell, Aaron, Corbin Strong, George Jackson coming through, if, 
if they can stay together for a couple couple more years, um, they'll go into Paris. I think that gold medal is still still his big target. I think that's that's the big lure for Aaron Gate. And let's not forget the the performance either of Michaela Drummond winning silver in the women's 10k scratch race. Yeah, great performance. Uh, I think they went into that race with Bronnie Bortha, who you know, was just absolutely outstanding in the women's individual pursuit uh, with phenomenal performances, Commonwealth Games record after Commonwealth Games record, and that gold medal crashing out. Um, yeah, very, very good performance by Michaela. She's a very good rider. Races on the road um, for a European team. Very confident in the bunch. Very, you know, Road tactically a really smart race to win that silver medal, so fine performance from her, without doubt, Smith, it was excellent. Yeah, I, look, overall, the, we look at it at this point, right, there's still some events to come, including uh, mountain biking, road cycling, of course, but 13 medals uh, so far, including uh, a record eight golds, which is uh, quite phenomenal when you consider where cycling has been in terms of the wrong kind of headlines. It's been brilliant. It has been brilliant, and, and for this big core group who, who have been through everything that cyclists have thrown at us since, you know, the, the Barcelona Olympics, you know, that they've been there, Aaron's been there, uh, Jordan's been, you know, been there, they've all been around that, they've had all that going on, and um, it just says so much for their character and the spirit and the, the culture they have within the, the wider team of how they've brought younger people in, and the coaching staff and the management uh, have done a superb job to, I guess, keep the, that core group out of the out of the turbulence outside the what's going on inside the velodrome, and, and it's got them in the absolute best possible shape to perform and and win at these um, championships. It was just just amazing, um, and you know a lot of a lot of respect for for what Cycling New Zealand have been able to do. And the way they've managed the, you know, this group to be able to perform uh, at these games the way they have. Will we will we lose anybody um, before the Paris Olympics? Uh, I'm just reading something that's just come through on Twitter to the effect that Sam Sam Burley might be giving it away. Yes, yeah, Sam. Um, he's had yeah, a really long career, and we can go back to that bronze medal in the team's pursuit. And to- uh, gosh. Tokyo, where were they? Um, when they won that, when Brett Hayden Ralston won the the silver in the individual, the team got got the bronze, um, and he's had a really long road career, great racing, you know, on the world tour. So it wouldn't surprise me that he's decided to to, to hang up the wheels. Um, you know, he he'll be a big loss to his professional team because he's an absolute workhorse in there. And that might be quite nice to, you know, if he decides to come back, there's some experience that he's gained over many, many years that could be well used um, within the sport somehow. So, yeah, it'd be sad to see him not lining up in the biggest races in the world, but, wow, he's had such a long career um, and he probably de- deserves a rest now, in. And then in, in terms of the, the track team, I think, you know, the bulk of them will stay there. Jordan Kirby, um, He's another rider who's been around a long time, a former individual suit world champion. Hopefully he hangs in there and, and just keeps uh, pushing the other riders in this team's pursuit. Um, so I think the core of the group will, will stay through to to Paris anyway, for sure. It's been uh, a couple of uh, pretty bad crashes on, uh, on in the velodrome. Uh, Della, I, and I, I, I'm not quite sure you can do too much about that, can you? I mean, it's just a... 
it's just part of the part of the sport. Absolutely, it's a it's a part of the sport. Um, I think that that crash in the the heat of the men's scratch race was one of the the worst I've ever seen. I've only ever seen one rider clear the barriers before and end up in the seats where the spectators sit. Um, that was in Colombia. Uh, it was a horrific crash, and you know, fortunately, everyone has, has come through it um, pretty well, and you know, no one's seriously injured. So that was a you know pretty amazing. It was a horrific crash. There has been some really big crashes. I, I felt sorry for Matt Glatzer, the Australian. Um, had a big crash in the Kira, and he was a big favourite for that. And he, you know, proved he was you know one of the best riders there by winning the kilo. He had a huge crash at you know probably close to 80 kilometres an hour. It's unavoidable. You're racing with all those riders on the track. They're, they're racing you know, millimetres from each other and mistakes happen. And particularly at the Commonwealth Games, like Ronnie's crash, a little bit of an experience from one of the riders from India just tipping a wheel and, and coming down and uh, she just didn't have anywhere to go and went, went straight over the top. But it, it's a part of the sport. The riders know that and uh, you just hope that when you see an accident that it's, it's not too serious and they leave plenty of skin behind it burns a lot but um, they generally all bounce back get up and carry on racing yeah they're pretty resilient all right there's no doubt about that uh, looking forward now uh del because it's not over for those the uh, the cyclists by any stretch of the imagination the mountain biking and the road cycling how do you uh, perceive our prospects there they've got to be good uh, if we look at the mountain biking you know, if we, we go back to to queensland we finished um you know, first and second in that with Anton Cooper and Sam Gage. Ben Oliver's had, had a really good build-up to this as well. So, you know, I'm not sure how Sam's going. I know Anton had a little bit of a crash, but they will certainly be in the mix in this, uh, in this mountain bike race. They'll be on the big, big chance of, of pulling a medal and adding to that, that tally. The road races, uh, both the men's and the women's, we've got, you know, a strong field. If you look at a strong field in, in terms of the, the total number of riders, but this is probably one of the strongest teams we've ever been able to assemble. When you look at Shane Archibald, Jack Bauer, who's just finished the Tour de France, Paddy Bevan, who's won the Tour of Turkey, Dion Smith, who finished second the other day in a really big uh, race, Aaron Gate and Campbell Stewart lining up. Like That's probably the, one of the strongest road teams we've fielded for, for a number of years. And in the women's race, um, the best under-21 rider in the world, Mean Fisher Black, of course, it's probably not hilly enough for her, but Henrietta Christie, Georgia Williams, they were experienced, and, um, you know, she will be in the mix. Michaela Harvey. Uh, unfortunately, we've lost Ellie Wollaston, who the team would have ridden for because she's got a very, very good sprint on her, and she would have been a part of the women's team's pursuit team, breaking her wrist on the second stage of the women's tour to France. Won't be a starter. So we've, we've got... It's going to be tough. It's always tough in the road race to win the medals, but, you know, we've got really genuine... Um, gold, silver or bronze medal chances and you know, we'll definitely pick up more medals in the cycling over the next uh, you know, towards the end of the week, end for sure It's been fantastic Del, um, it's been great chatting to you just reviewing uh, where we're at such very good time for cycling, I don't think anyone uh, around the country will deny them the success after what they've been through, fantastic turnaround uh, Congratulations, uh, you're part of it as well obviously so uh, we thank you for your time this morning and long mate continue mate Thanks very much, Shane. I appreciate it. I just wish I'd got down to the TAB with uh, at least paying $6 last night. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it's Aaron Gates, what, 26 or something for the, t the time trial. Um, someone took that out on air the other day. Um, all right. Uh, might maybe be worth getting a piece of that. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, mate. Cheers. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy's Metal Tally Update. Give your tech the winning edge this Commonwealth Games with the experts at Noel Leeming. Right, uh, let's have a look at where we're at in terms of that medal table and uh, on the back of golds for Aaron Gate, Elise Andrews, Andrew Jeffcoat in the pool, Michaela Drummond getting a silver and Campbell Stewart getting a silver. Our tally looks uh, 13 golds, 7 silver, 4 bronze. That is 24. We are currently in third place, which uh, in itself is amazing when you look at... uh, how far we punch above our weight in so many sports in terms of our population. Australia at the moment lead with 31 golds, 20 silver, 20 bronze. They have 71 medals in all. England, the host nation, 21 golds, 21 silver, 11 bronze, 53. Quite outstanding little old New Zealand. They're doing us proud. Thank you, Simon, also for the heads up uh, too on the Sam Bewley. That was great when we get the little updates from... uh, our, uh, our particular listeners are around the place as well, so it was good uh, getting that inside information and finding out that uh, Sam Bewley, one of our most accomplished over a long, long period of time, is uh, contemplating and probably going to give away uh, the cycling side of things at the end of this calendar year. Uh, okay, so uh, we might just, uh, after 9.30, uh, we're coming up with the news now, we might just uh, play something special that we heard uh, last night on the run home. It was uh, an interview with Gary Hollywood. Now, Gary Hollywood is the coach of Lewis Clearbert. Lewis Clearbert is the latest swimming sensation that New Zealand has produced, and he is destined for big things. Such a good interview that I think we might play excerpts from that after the 9.30 news. But in the meantime, here is Aroha with an update. and uh, just an update from uh, the hockey side of things at uh, the Commonwealth Games and uh, New Zealand have just heard the final whistle probably quite glad about that too because uh, Greg Nichols' team, uh, the men's black sticks have been pummeled by Australia to be fair seven goals to two Uh, it just seemed like every time Australia got down there they converted so New Zealand had some defensive issues that they couldn't cope with and uh, that is it, Uh, 7-2 to Australia over New Zealand in the men's hockey Right, uh, speaking of uh, success, though, at uh, the Commonwealth Games, uh, how about that, Lewis Clearbit? What a character, but what a colossus he is in the pool these days, and uh, anyone knows where, where he could be heading in terms of the Olympics. It's just uh, great. It's a great prospect. Uh, and the man responsible for getting him to that point is his coach, Gary Hollywood. Now, Gary Hollywood is, uh, of course, in uh, Birmingham uh, alongside Lewis, getting him prepared, etc. Uh, but uh, he did get up uh, very early uh, yesterday, to speak to our very own Kirsten Beeve, and uh, this is a part of the interview. Fascinating. What did you say to Lewis after that race? I just said, I love you, son. I said, great job. I, says, uh, I said, you obviously don't need me to take you to the call room because for some, somehow he managed to get out the swim-down pool and I'm trying to find him, and next minute I know he's in the race. So um, that was quite funny, um, the way it worked out. 
um, for the good. <laughs> it was an unbelievable race, uh, the 200-metre butterfly. He's talked about how he beat his own childhood hero, the South African Chad Leclos. Can you put that win into perspective for us, coming from behind to take gold? Um, it was our race strategy. Um, the one thing he's doing here is is he's swimming to the race plan to perfection. Um, we knew that Chad would go out super fast and he would just try and hang on um, as he always does. He uses the same race strategy all the time, so it was quite predictable. And um, look, Chad's an absolutely huge champion, mm. um, but you know he's get he's, the years are catching up on him and, and we felt that we had better fitness coming in on the finish so i said you just hang in on and stay with him on his hip and then when you sense that he's starting to fade then that's when you've got to make your move gary how much is uh i guess lewis's tokyo campaign burning the fire for him right now and uh having an effect on his results obviously he was amazing in Tokyo and uh, he gave us all trying to win gold in Tokyo and uh, came up just short. Does that, do you reckon that might have almost been the best thing for him as far as the fire burning and uh, just now can really just target in on these events where it looks just possessed at the moment? I, I think I think, I think that's, that's part of it. But the other thing is, is that it's lessons learned. We learned that um, he's got to um, use his kind of his, his mental skills as well as his physical skills. So um, as soon as we come back from Tokyo, like you missed out. I, I'm no doubt that Lewis should have won the gold medal in Tokyo. We knew that it was going to be a, a fairly weak field. Um, his time in the heats would have won a medal. Um, going through um, media after the heat swim. Um, somebody said to him, what does it feel like to have the weight of the nation on your shoulders? And it just put the weight of the nation on his shoulders. So that night he didn't sleep. And I had no idea until yeah. I got back to New Zealand before what had happened. So he was watching truck movies, trying to bore himself to sleep, which I could have told him wouldn't have worked. <laughs> and when I saw him coming out, <laughs> when I saw him coming out to the final, he just looked disheveled. He wasn't himself. You know, you've seen how cocky he came out. Um, <laughs> He um, he got yeah, he gave uh, Chad Leclerc a cheeky smile in the final because Chad had did that to him in the heat. So I, I saw him do. I thought, what's he do that for? And he said, oh, Chad did it to my heat, so I thought I'd do him in the final. <laughs> but um, we've I've been working with um, performance psychologists. Um, we've been working with mindfulness uh, meditation psychologists, um, and we're just getting us making sure that we're training the brain, not just the body. And so we very quickly learned what we had to do. So when we were in Slovakia, um, I said, right, never again, let's go for a time. And he said to me, what do you mean never again? I says, mate, I'm going to time you for a 50, and never again is someone going to swim over you in the last 50. It just ain't ever going to happen again. So I was kind of setting the scene for him. Um, and then after the heats, uh, it was really good we swam Worlds, because after the heats at Worlds, we're traveling back to the hotel and hungry and I says, mate, I says, talk me through the race. And everything he felt was perfect, but he said, the last hundred, that's where, you know, he really felt the pain. I says, well, we need some incentive. We need a word that you're going to switch on to when you feel that pain burn, you're going to hit, hit an extra gear. And um, 
we're warming up for the final at Worlds for the 4am and, and he done 200 metres of warm up and he stopped and he big smile looking at me and points to me and says I've got the word I've got the word and um, I said well, I was a bit kind of gobsmacked so I'd forgot our conversation almost and I says what word what word and I've got the word and he, he said his word he says you you and the rest of the field that's my word when I'm thinking about you guys that's when I'm going to turn on my, my next gear and um, it was quite a rude word so I can't say it on air um, but um, if it works it works so um, I'm working with uh, Dr. Bruce Lowry, a, a performance psychologist, and um, we're working on pain mastery. So it's just getting that word. Um, he said to me this week, oh, I'm not, I'm not trained. One of the Australians uh, training when they're supposed to be in heats and finals. So they're, they're actually training quite late at night. I says, he said, I need to be doing that. I says, no, you don't, mate. We just need, need rest. Mm. Um, we'll do what we do and um, and then you know you've got your word and you like, oh, okay so you know we've we've, we've learnt lessons and we've learnt lessons quickly so I'm quite proud of myself that I got onto that as soon as I come back and that was the benefit of MIQ because I had two weeks of reflection and and um, learning HPNZ had us doing mindfulness meditation in the room and when I came out after two weeks of solitary confinement, everyone was hating it. And I said, what do you think? I said, I loved it. <laughs> that <was> great. <laughs> so you've had this plan for, gold, for glory at the Commonwealth Games since MIQ. Mate, absolutely. You know, um, we, we've just got to keep learning. This is what life's about, you mm. know. Um, yeah. I, was, I was watching this... I was watching her swimming up and down um, earlier this week, and I said, to, and I always ask myself, and I ask myself then, I says, can I justify all the time, effort, the commitment, the expense of high performance sport, of high performance swimming? Is that justifiable? Um, would I want my son to go through this? And I, and I, I answered myself, yes, because. The lessons that this young man is learning—it's just extraordinary. I've watched him since two, since he was sixteen, growing, and I'm growing as a result too. If I wasn't—I'm a better person now after six years for coaching Lewis than if I hadn't coached Lewis. And Lewis is just absolutely coming on leaps and bounds. So, you know, he, he's like—he's been like Superman these last few days. That was Gary. the most. I'm oh, sorry, Dave. You, <laughs> no, I was going to say first of all, Gary. Thanks for the insights. The most <laughs> unbelievable insights. <laughs> and uh, I guess the great thing with Lewis and for you is you're saying about these learnings and the things that you've taken out of, I guess, essentially past disappointments. But then the exciting thing is you've still got this young athlete mm. who can really take the full take the full lessons and really make the most of them obviously having a wonderful Commonwealth Games but the Olympics next time we're at the Olympics geez he's going to be some athlete with all this sort of momentum building yeah mate um, he's only 23 um, by Paris he's going to be you know a, a very strong both physically and mentally and we're leaving no stone unturned and I need as much time as possible to actually put everything in place that we can. So we've recruited Greg Troy, Ryan Lochte's coach. Um, you know, Ryan Lochte's won yeah. Olympic gold before wow. I am his broken world record. So um, I've, I've put 
Greg Troy, my Arsenal. I, I, it's like I had, um, I've got Ian Thorpe's old coach out for me, Doug Frost. As soon as these coaches retire, I grab them, mate. They've got more knowledge than I have. How do you convince them? What do you say to them? Well, I spend, when I know they're going to retire, I, I, I just make a connection with them and we finish up friends and then, you know, they're, they're offering me the services for free. So wow. um, I just I just think these guys are just treasures. And what I noticed with the old coaches, um, seasoned coaches, is that they kind of get thrown on the rubbish tip and people forget just how much experience they have. So they're like, they're like walking encyclopedias of swimming and... Um, no one, no one has really chased them down, so I, I've got them. I can tap into them whenever I want to. That is unbelievable, Gary. Your insights have been phenomenal. You are super inspirational, and I see why you get the very best out of Lewis Clebert. And it's not done yet. You've got another race in another couple of days. What do you reckon? Can we expect more gold to come? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> you know. It, it would be nice. I think everyone would think that would be nice. Um, I don't want to put a jinx on yeah. them. And I don't want to be too greedy about it. But <laughs> like when you're in good shape, you're in good shape, you know, yeah. and he's in good shape. But it, someone's going to have to stop him. Enjoy the good times. Uh, that is what Gary Hollywood is uh, doing, uh, coach of Lewis Clearbert, who uh, simply is uh, sensational. And what an interesting man he is in his own right when you – hear that uh, he's gleaning information off some of the best coaches around the world as they retire, so he doesn't get in, uh, get involved or interrupt their uh, programs they're involved with at the moment. He waits till they're retired, then uh, he's like a leech. He grabs hold of them and, and gets what he can out of them. Uh, but uh, the other thing I, th- I thought was very interesting that he said is he's learning so much himself off Lewis uh, as an individual too. So what a great combo, and it sounds like... You know, we've had some great ones over the years, haven't we? I remember Duncan Lang and uh, Daniel Loder uh, in the pool. What a great, uh, what a great relationship those two gentlemen had together. Uh, and now it sounds like uh, the name Lewis Clearbert, uh, alongside Gary Hollywood, is something that we can uh, look forward to for quite some time. Uh, and Logan, yeah, uh, Kirsty mentioned uh, another chance coming up. When is Lewis back in the pool? Uh, Lewis Clearbert is back in the pool Wednesday 9.30pm there Smithy, it's the men's 200 metre individual medley, that's the heats, if he makes it through and I mean I was, we're all hoping that he does the finals for that race will be Thursday at 6.07am so something to, to wake up for hopefully Absolutely, uh, so Lewis Clearbert back in the pool uh, for that event and who would, uh, with the kind of confidence levels he's got at the moment uh, who would uh, bet against them? Not me, that's for sure. 9.44 here on SENZ back shortly. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, text uh, coming in on the back of uh, that interview and uh, no wonder uh, because he's such a fascinating guy. Uh, that Gary Hollywood interview, that's the type of coach who uses the expertise of great coaches to make his athlete better. Uh, maybe the All Blacks should bring him in to talk about making the most of potential. That's from George. Well, uh, who knows uh, where Gary Hollywood will end up, but certainly is a, a very interesting character. And uh, if I was perhaps trying to put together a team or uh, had an athlete that I thought needed uh, a little bit more than what I could give them, uh, I'd be very happy to ring Gary Hollywood, a pretty busy man. Uh, but that's the kind of impact uh, certainly he can have. Um, text him from Anthony Hi Smithy, will Lewis move to a 50 metre pool in Auckland or a similar place? He should be fully funded, he should be fully funded you did right there Anthony uh, amazing he swims in a 25 metre pool 
um, yeah, if he got to a 50-metre pool, who knows? Maybe that uh, the 25 just suits his style and um, that's uh, it's purpose-built for for that regard. But, hey, look, he, he should be fully funded, this kid. Uh, he shouldn't have to pay for anything now uh, until the end of the Olympic Games and everything should be laid out in front of him and all these particular stars who are doing such wonderful, wonderful things for us at these Commonwealth Games. Uh, well, what an interview, Smithy. Thanks for play, uh, playing that back. What a coach. No wonder Clever is a success. Real character. So it's from Jared. Uh, also saying, ironic, the coach's name is Hollywood because he's a real box office hit already, uh, let alone in the future. Um, we got a text uh, yesterday saying, um, no chance uh, Aaron Gate would uh, win the time trial at 26 bucks. Well, Justin's come in and said, this morning, Smithy. I hope the person who texted in yesterday said Aaron Gate had no chance is eating a massive piece of humble pie for breakfast. Um, yeah, but he's talking about, uh, I think, uh, Justin, the race coming up, and that is the time trial uh, where he is at $26. I checked those odds uh, actually after his recent success, and uh, I discovered that that is the case. Interesting, uh, on the cycling, we talked about uh, the crashes um, and the safety side of it, and, of course, Dale Woodford saying that's just part and parcel of the deal, but it shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be for spectators in particular. And five times Olympic champion Laura Kenny has urged organisers to install bigger barriers at velodromes after the crash involving England's Matt Walls at the Commonwealth Games yesterday. Tokyo Games gold medalist Walls and two other cyclists were taken to hospital after a crash during the second heat of the men's scratch race at the Lee Valley Velo Park. The spectators were also hurt after Walls and his bike came over the top of the barriers on the high banking at a corner of the track. You might have seen it. It was ugly. Walls received treatment from paramedics for 40 minutes before leaving in an ambulance, but escaping without serious injury. Uh, Kenny saying, I think the crashes are getting worse and it's because the speeds are getting higher. The positions are getting more extreme. At some point, the UCI, uh, the, which is the International Cycling Union, are going to have to put a cap on these positions. Maybe there should be screens because Matt should not have been able to go over the top and into the crowd. That's pretty damn dangerous. The crash was the second major incident in cycling at the Games after England's Joe Truman suffered a broken collarbone. Part and parcel uh, for the cyclists, but uh, she makes a point there. It shouldn't be dangerous for the spectators, or they shouldn't have the uh, the ability to actually fly across, fly across uh, the barriers and get involved with the spectators. Goodness me, young kids there looking at the heroes in the front row. 9.53 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yeah, this is a, what I call a patience multi because you have to wait a couple of days, uh, maybe a bit longer, for this one to come to fruition. But uh, there is one of my uh, three legs playing today, and that's the Texas Rangers, who I believe will beat the uh, Baltimore Orioles at uh, $1.60. It's in Major League Baseball, of course. And uh, on the back of uh, Simon's uh, text, he's just come in again, actually, Simon. Uh, I'm going to take Grant Thomas to win the cycling time trial. I'm not going to take Aaron Gate at 26 bucks. I'm going to take Grant Thomas at $3.10. Uh, Thomas was fourth, fourth in the last uh, time trial of the Tour de France. He's in hot form. So uh, I quite uh, believe in the Welshman to be there at $3.10. He's not the favourite, 
uh, not by any stretch of the imagination, his second favourite. Uh, Australian women to win the cricket gold um, I, as well. I think they'll win the T20 cricket gold. They're only a buck thirty, but it's a nice little add-on, isn't it? Another thirty, uh, thirty cents in the dollar. So uh, six dollars forty-five for that. Six dollars forty-five uh, for that multi, and we'll have to wait uh, two or three days as we do uh, for the one from yesterday, where we're still alive. We need England to beat uh, South Africa in the women's cricket tonight. So. Uh, both multis are uh, up and running for the early stages of this week. Look, after the break, we're going to be talking to uh, our great friend Dave Worsley. We're talking squash. Two great gold medal prospects. 10 o'clock is Ottawa. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's 10.03 here, and New Zealand's Paul Cole and Joel King. Yes, Joel, of course, uh, one of our uh, flag bearers, uh, along with Tom Walsh. They both went into the Commonwealth Games as heavy favourites in the men's and women's squash singles. Overnight in the quarterfinals, they punched their ticket through to the last four uh, in very different fashion. While Cole went through in straight sets, uh, Joel King had to come back from a set down against local hero Lucy Timmel. Uh, with that match coming down to a tie break after 85 gruelling minutes. Uh, a real thriller, particularly for the locals. On the line, we have uh, squash punnant Dave Worsley to uh, tell us a wee bit more uh, about both of these uh, two athletes. Uh, first of all, Dave, a little bit nervous last night watching Joel play, were you? <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, even even the second game, 18-16, that's just kind of nuts. The final game was uh, 14-12. I... I guess I didn't want it to go down. Uh, I'd love to because that for Joey at age 33 against a 22-year-old opponent is kind of difficult. You know, that, that's when you start, gee, you know, how are those old legs going? And she calls them old legs, so I'm allowed to do it. Uh, but, you know, the thing is with Joelle King, she's an attacking player. She's not a grinder. Whereas perhaps if you say about Paul Cole, he's a guy who will stay out there all day and all night and grind it out. So there's two different styles of players there. And uh, Joey's always been aggressive. There was a few moments, particularly in that second game when it got tight, that uh, both players tended to um, try their little tricks of either trying to run right through each other or trip each other or, you know, you do whatever you can to win. So uh, that is a... That is a good performance, though. Um, The resilience, the old legs, as you say, came through. Um, How does that stand her now uh, with that gruelling one under her belt in terms of backing up? Well, she does have uh, a little bit more of a uh, rest time as such because uh, generally she's been playing at 11pm or or midday uh, UK time. This time it's going to be 3pm, so there's an extra two or three hours in there. She's very fit. She was at the physio for I don't know how long last night. I was getting messages from the manager saying uh, she's still in the physio. She's uh, getting another rub down, doing everything possible. I mean, she's done this before. Uh, Last year, make it last come off games of this, um, she ended up playing three matches in one day. (laughs) You know, that was a doubles mixed and a a singles. So, you know, she's certainly done it before. She knows what she's here for. I'm not saying that Joey's going to retire after this year, but this is her last Commonwealth Games. You know, she wants to do it again. She wants to beat the English in England. And at this rate, um, you know, she's doing pretty well. She's got to take on um, a Canadian or English-born Canadian, uh, Holly Norton, who's ranked about uh, 20 or thereabouts in the world in the, um, in the semifinals. She's never lost to her, but mind you, she's she never lost to, to Mal either. 
And at this rate, it looks as though she will play, if, she may, if everything goes to plan, against Sarah Jane Perry, I think, in the uh, finals, which, of course, was what happened in the Gold Coast as well. So, you know, there, there's plenty on it. And, um, you know, you, you give it one last hurrah. It is, uh, it's a really cool story because it doesn't stop there either. Uh, she's involved in the mixed doubles and the women's doubles as well. The program is extremely busy for her. Yeah, that's right. The, the good thing here, though, is that they're not playing them all together. So uh, basically we have the women's uh, or the singles for men's and women in just a couple of days' time, and then the, uh, the doubles starts out for both the men's, women's, and mixed. So unless she's not in theory playing three matches in a day, although that could, I guess, still happen when I look at it, but you know, that, that's, that's a big thing, but playing them kind of separately uh, because you know, Gold Coast was just nuts. Um, you know, the matches weren't finishing until uh, one time uh, about uh, after midnight or 1am and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's plenty of matches for her to play, but it's just going to be, uh, you know, a little uh, a little bit more spread out, which will certainly help uh, Joey a bit more. I was a bit worried, I've got to say, the other night. I shouldn't be because I should know uh, Paul Cole's ability and trust in his ability. But uh, when he was up against uh, Amir Evans, uh, this Welshman, uh, with a bit of a home crowd on his back, it just looked a little bit tenuous there for a little while. <laughs> yeah, dropping uh, one game against a guy ranked in the 90s. The thing is, sometimes you just haven't seen a player before. And you're like, well, I don't even know who this guy is, and you're not too sure how they're going to play it. And they may come out and play a complete and utter blinder. And that, that's the sort of thing. It's like, you know, someone just comes out and you think, geez, I've never seen this guy. What the heck is he doing? No one I've known has played like this before. And that can just sort of, uh, you know, a little bit of hesitation about how you're going to play it. And, uh, yeah, you've got to come up with your game plan. Yes, you try and research, but sometimes it's not so easy to research against someone that is totally brand new. Okay, let's, uh, before we uh, get back to Paul Cole, uh, Temwa and Lawamba Jaleshi, what did you make of their performances as newbies on the block? Yeah, I think... Um, Kind of to be expected. We had Luamba um, losing to a player ranked in similar uh, ranking to him in the 90s, and that went to five games. That probably could have gone either way. Uh, the Tenwa in his game, he, he lost to someone ranked quite a bit uh, higher than him, a little bit more experienced. But the problem is, uh, with these guys, you have to give them a Commonwealth Games under the belt for the next Commonwealth Games. They're 21, although Tenwa... 22 today, and um, 23. So for the next games uh, in Victoria, Australia, they're going to be in their prime. You know, when they're 27, 26 sort of thing, that's just when they should really be starting to hit their straps. You can't just expect 21-year-olds who have had limited international experience to go out there and start winning medals. So in many ways, they won a round each. Good. And uh, yeah, their losses weren't unexpected. It would have been good to see Luamba win his match. He could have. But just didn't in the end. What do you make now uh, of uh, Paul Cole's chances? He's the hottest of favourites. Uh, and, yep. and after that tiny little hiccup there, um, he's progressed on quite nicely without being under too much pressure. Uh, he looks good. Yeah, he's um, the Indian uh, veteran, 35-year-old, uh, uh, who he's never lost to as well. I mean, things change when you're in a semi-final of a, of a uh, Commonwealth Games, you know, people that you've never lost to, you know, you start beating. Um, or, you know, they beat you, that sort of thing. The pressure comes on and home crowds, different conditions, etc. 
I, I think he should actually go through this one uh, relatively easily. He's still on the cards to take on Joel Macon, the uh, world number seven um, who, from uh, Wales, who's a feisty kinger from Wales, so you can imagine what he's like. Uh, that should be a lot of fun if that does happen. Um, you know, there's a little bit of rivalry between them. So, uh, yeah, Paul Cole's still the favourite. I mean, you know, he, he's been number one. He's played against all the Egyptians in Egypt constantly. You think there's pressure playing in the Commonwealth Games? Think about the pressure playing against those guys in Egypt. So he's used to it. Uh, for Joey, you know, I, I oh, it'll be tough for her. I, you've really got to say, and I mean, I don't like really putting this much on him, but, you know, Paul should come away with the gold. Joey, it depends on her body. I'm expecting him to make the final anyway, so you've got gold but there. And then when we come down to the uh, mixed and, um, and uh, the uh, women's doubles, you know, in my mind, the favourites are uh, Joey and Amanda Landis-Murphy. They're very good, even though they're not seated top somehow. Uh, whereas Paul and Joelle in the, in the mix, <laughs> you know, strangely, they're not the top seeds, number, number two and number five in the world. But, yeah, they, they should come away with a medal. I'm not saying it'll be gold. I don't think it will be gold on that. But um, they're, you know, they're, they're worth a medal. Okay, so how did, uh, Dave, of course you're the king of racket sports, so you know, uh, and, and when tennis we often see that, you know, the, the best singles players don't make great doubles players. Does that apply uh, to squash necessarily? Well, yeah, a little bit. There, there are, you know, Mandelanders Murphy, who's there with uh, Joel King, um, they won the uh, doubles uh, last time in the Gold Coast, and it was really Amanda who stepped up because Joelle had really been through such tough matches, whereas Amanda had only played a couple of singles matches. She's superb in doubles because of the ankles that she can play as a lefty in particular. So she, she really steps up. I mean, it, it's really interesting. Doubles and squash, if you get the top players playing, can be really good. And, of course, the court is bigger. Um, Paul Cole, I wouldn't say is the best doubles player. His style of play is not necessarily a good double style of play. Uh, in some ways, you've got to be, I wouldn't say more attacking, but you just got to play the court angles a little bit more. Uh, he, that's not, I wouldn't say it's strength. He's very good at it, but it's not his strength. Whereas jo- Joelle King, with her power, comes in very handy uh, with a lefty who can be quite a risky sort of player in uh, Landis Murphy. So, yeah, there is a different style there, and that's where putting um, Joey and Paul together. You think, oh, gee, you know, number two and number five, that should thrash everybody. You know, it's, it's um, Over- the different styles and how they combine Overall, Dave, uh, when you look at uh, the, the size of the squash team that we sent this time around, uh, how have you felt uh, it's performed to this point? Because some of them, uh, of course, don't really get seriously involved until the double side of it as well. Yeah, we had uh, Caitlin Watson there as well, and um, you know, she, she won a round. Um, so everybody has won a round. Um, she took on one of the top-seeded players, lost in four games. So, you know, yeah, that's a pretty good performance. She's only 21 as well. Uh, again, first time in the games. Next time, she should be just about right. And that's the hardest thing with high-performance sport. You've got to say, look, we've got to give some of these players exposure. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get thrashed uh, when, when or if they do make it. We've got to get them in the games to actually play better in the games. And that's the hardest thing for every sport because that doesn't seem to sit that well with high-performance sport. It's, it's a really interesting one, but I think you know so far everybody can be relatively happy, and you know we're where we are where we should be with both Paul and Joey, even though Paul was uh, doing stupid interviews and sending them back to me. Um, but that's all fine, comparing himself to Novak Djokovic. 
uh, and all sorts of other crazy things that he does. I'll get him for that. But yeah, it's. Um, I think we can be satisfied so far. It's such a well. Some uh, these are quite unique. These uh, Commonwealth Games things for the likes of uh, Joel King and, and Paul Cole because there's very much a team element to this. Whereas. 95% of the time they're on the road basically as individuals. So what kind of enjoyment would they get out of the, the team environment, do you think? Oh, Paul Cole in particular loves it. He absolutely loves teams. He hasn't actually lost the last three men's teams uh, events we're playing um, singles, which is quite amazing. Um, he, he just loves it. He, he says, this is what I, you know, I'm, I'm here as an individual a lot of the time, you know, around the world, but I really love playing for New Zealand. You know, it's... His uncle, uh, Tony Cole, played rugby league for New Zealand. It's kind of like a thing in the family that he wants to do it. Whereas um, Joelle King, you know, she, she loves it as well. She loves helping out the younger players. Or Amanda Landers Murphy is one of her best friends. Of course, uh, Joelle King's brother played a game for the All Blacks. And, uh, you know, they're both really team-oriented people because they're so often playing for themselves and it's such a solo existence and then to actually get in a team where you're helping other people or they're trying to help you, there's always uh, the Chalisi boys or Caitlin Watts or Abby Palmer, the doubles player there in the crowd, you know, clapping them on and encouraging them, and that can be great. So forecasting, Dave, looking ahead, um, how many medals do you think we'll get out of this program? What, what can we look at? Well, you, you should expect three, um, because obviously we've got two people in the semis already. Uh, so we should expect um, something out of uh, both of those players. And then I expect something out of uh, Landis Murphy and um, Joel King. And then possibly a fourth, possibly, uh, with the mixed doubles as well. And uh, we, we won four last time, or claimed four last time. I, I believe four is not out of, uh, you know, something that we can achieve. But, you know, three is a safe bet, um, in my mind. Just that uh, I see India are trying to push for shooting and wrestling to be introduced in the next uh, Commonwealth Games. Um, good what about it. tennis? Yeah, they're good at it. What about, what about tennis? Well, tennis was in there uh, in Delhi in two thousand and what was that two thousand and ten? Uh, they did have tennis in there because they had a couple of good players and they won lots of medals. India excels in shooting. There's no shooting in uh, this Commonwealth Games, so it was one of the events dropped. Remember, you, you've got to remember this that events can be dropped. Now, it would be unusual for it being held in Australia next, next time to drop squash. I don't think they'd do that. Uh, what else would they bring in? They might bring in men's cricket um, next time, although it'll be a strange time of the year to play it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, here's a question for you then. What events would you drop for the next Commonwealth Games in Australia? And what events yeah. would you bring in? There's your big question. It could probably bring in Aussie rules. Uh, and have no one else playing it. Guaranteed gold. Yeah, so that, that's the sort of thing. You've got to look at it for TV. Would you bring in climbing like they did at, uh, at the Olympics? That seemed fairly popular, wasn't it? Um, so think about what uh, sports you'd drop that just don't look that good for TV and for the use. And uh, which ones, you know? I, I don't know if they bring in shooting, wrestling. I don't think it's that popular. Uh, for people to, I don't know, maybe it is. Um, yeah, so uh, there's, a, there's a couple that I'm not so keen on, but, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Has, has the basketball excelled? Three-by-three three basketball? Not sure. Yeah, not sure either, to be perfectly honest. Jury's, jury's out on that one. Uh, you could always bring in uh, 
for uh, an event for being a prat, and Kyrgios would be uh, absolute favourite for the gold medal there. So, what, what do you, what do you, um, how have you made uh, of uh, Nick Kyrgios actually putting his racket before his mouth there for almost a week in Wimbledon, and what are the prospects ahead? Well, he just won the doubles title in uh, one of the lead-up tournaments to the US. Uh, you know, I'll be interested. I'm going to be up in New York in uh, what's it, three weeks' time, so I'll be interested to see how he's going to go. Uh, you know, he's won a doubles tournament with uh, Kokonakis again, and uh, yeah, he's he's playing pretty well actually. Uh, when it comes to the US Open, I'd start putting. You know, he's not going to win the title, but I'd start putting a couple of dollars on him to actually make it through a few rounds. You know, he's playing well enough to do that, and uh, he's showing that he's versatile on all surfaces, uh, going from grass uh, to the hard court. And, yeah, he, he's he's one of the actual form players at the moment. My curiosity is whether Daniel Medvedev, as the world number one, can come back from no play at Wimbledon, and on um, you know whether he can come back, and also whether Djokovic is somehow given an exemption to play in New York. But no other athlete, including basketballers, have been given that exemption. Yeah, yeah I don't see that happening. I, I really don't see that happening. Uh, uh. Um, unfortunately for the event, Dave. Hey, brilliant! Thanks for the update on um, Joel and Paul in particular. Look yep, forward 3 to the rest of this program. Yep, I'll be. Uh, well, I'll, I'll try and set the alarm. Put it that way. Busy people, busy people. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thank you very yeah, much, yeah, Dave. Exactly. Great, right, great catching up, buddy. Thank you. Dave Wesley there, and uh, we shall be uh, back very shortly uh, with a panel this morning consisting of Brad Lewis and Aidan McLaughlin. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 10.25 here on SENZ and uh, the panel this morning is uh, Aidan McLaughlin out of the Hawke's Bay and uh, Brad Lewis. Uh, Aidan, if I can begin with you, that would be fantastic. Uh, England and Birmingham in particular putting on quite a good show this time round. Yeah, morning Smithy, morning Brad. Um, I must admit I'm pretty sleep deprived after those four or five days that we've had. Uh, it's been it's been great, viewing, hasn't it? It's uh, it's amazing, isn't it? You look back not that long and you were pretty restricted on what you could watch. It was pretty much dictated to you by uh, whatever TV company was showing it. But now we have so many channels and so many choices, and you still struggle to get around all the sport. But uh, Absolutely loving it so far. It's been great. The facilities uh, look fantastic. The crowds have uh, been top draw, and we haven't even hit the athletics track yet. No, that's right, and uh, really looking forward to that. I think that starts overnight tonight. I know Zoe Hobbs starts her 100-metre campaign and the women's pole vault as well, so there'll be some, some Kiwi interest in that for sure. Uh, but, yeah, the crowds have really bought into it. I noticed that... During the sevens, uh, the the closing of the sevens the other day, that was when, of course, the uh, the women's Euro uh, football final was going on. So they started singing along to that as well. But uh, great crowds at all the venues, from what I can tell, it's it's been it's been really really good. Great engagement. Actually, you bring up a good subject. Actually, how big that uh, women's football victory for England, bearing in mind, of course, World Cup next year. That brings them into, uh, I wouldn't say outright favouritism, but brings them into uh, serious contenders. Oh, it does. It, it really does. And th- that was a huge, huge event uh, over there. Uh, the, the, the tournament finished a bit later than the men's equivalent would have. You know, we're, we're almost at the start of the men's Premier League, etc., etc. But 
it's finished at a time where the schools uh, have broken up for the school, the summer holidays, and although some families have gone away overseas and what have you, there's been superb weather over there, as we know, and yeah, just a great moment for football fans throughout the country, and just just great to see that women's football is actually. Uh, see, see such great support uh, for so many years, decades. Uh, it's been the men's game that's that, that's uh, been at the top, obviously. But uh, but now the women's game has brought so much uh, profile to the sport. It's, it's really good to see. Yeah, I'm not quite sure we quite realise how big it is in this country, but we will do in about uh, 12 months' time, I think, Aidan. That's for sure. Brad, good morning to you. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that uh, talking about cycling um, in New Zealand was not the thing to be done. Uh, and all of a sudden it is. Outstanding uh, performance on the track from our athletes. And, and what does it tell you about the talent of these guys and girls, Smithy, is that, you know, obviously there's some deep-seated culture issues within New Zealand cycling that have been addressed, we hope. But, man, Aaron Gate, what a weapon. Elise, uh, Elise Andrews, what a beast. Like, these, these guys and girls have done phenomenally well um, with an amazing gold medal haul. Like, I don't think any of us, Smithy, would have predicted, what, eight gold medals from the cycling team heading into these games. So uh, think about what they might be able to do when they're supported 100% by, by their organization and, and by their coaching staff. Obviously, the talent is just shining at the moment. Uh, and I imagine they'll be in for a pretty big windfall when it comes to uh, more support from, from NZ Sport. And, and, uh, but the expectations, again, will be extremely high for, the, for Paris, which, again, will put pressure on the athletes to perform. So you just hope they put those structures in place. But a phenomenal performance. And Aaron Gate and, and Elise Andrews, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. It's, uh, it's, it's, been great. it's been great. It's been great to be a Kiwi watching these cyclists perform so well uh, at, in Birmingham. Yeah, and more to come. Speaking um, uh, to 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 for this morning, and uh, we we're talking about the fact that uh, they've still got uh, the um, the road cycling to come and the mountain biking. So uh, it's not like that that program's finished with as yet. Uh, Aiden, I, I, uh, the pool has been uh, pretty damn good as well. And uh, Gary Hollywood, who is some sort of um, inspirational coach, just heard a, a wee clip of an interview he did last night with uh, with Kirsty and and, and Beef. Um, he's the coach, of course, of Lewis Clearbert, who believes he could be the best in the world shortly. What do you reckon? Well, it wouldn't surprise me. They said it's quite interesting. After a little bit of disappointment at the Olympics last year, they've gone away. They've worked really hard on on different aspects, not only of his of his physical performance but his mental performance. Um, and here he is. He's twenty three years old, and they're doing all the right things, aren't they? They've improved significantly in that year since the Olympics, and it's really showing out there uh, in the event so far. Um, he's still got the 200-meter the, the individual medley to go, which I think is uh, probably tomorrow, I think, um, and then the finals on Thursday morning. Uh, so absolutely no reason at all why that improvement can't keep going. Uh, I think they're talking about him... Uh, getting up there and, and kind of improving his times by significant margins if, if things go to plan. So absolutely no reason why in, in a few years' time in Paris we, we can't be looking at even more success. Uh, also, uh, of course, on the back of uh, Andrew, um, Andrew Jeffcoat winning gold as, as well um, overnight, uh, Brad. So swimming program, pretty cool too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we've got a young talent, Erica Fairweather, who's, uh, who, who sort of came onto the, 
to the to, to our sort of we noticed in Tokyo right where she exploded onto the New Zealand scene making the Olympic final and, and she's done okay over there as well and it's great to see swimming uh, on such a shoestring budget like bring these young people out I mean had we ever heard of Andrew Jeffcoat before these games I certainly hadn't uh, and it was a surprise gold medal for me and you know Cameron Gray as well with the bronze it's it's been awesome to see us perform in the pool. Um, Sophie Pascoe leading the way, of course, and uh, I agree with um, with, with Claire Burt's coach saying, you know, this performance from all these athletes and the fact that we have one of the best medley swimmers on the planet right now in Lewis Kluber, these guys need to be funded better and, and they should be in for a haul from, from NZ Sport as well. You'd certainly hope so um, leading into Tokyo. And look, the guys that Claire Burt beat for his first medal uh, had three of the four fastest times of the year. Uh, so he, he beat some top, top performers um, to win that first gold medal. So I think he's certainly right up there. And uh, again, with um, with success comes more pressure. So the expectation and pressure will be on Clever and the swimming team heading into Paris. Uh, but I'm sure they'll be up to it. Um, and, and it's exciting. It's a great. It's great to see us performing in the pool. I mean, I, you know, not since what uh, 1990, and then Daniel Loder have we sort of had all the success. It's 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 been great to watch. It is uh, 10.32 here on SENZ. We've got Aidan McLaughlin and Brad Lewis on the panel this morning. We'll take a quick break for some news from Araha. Uh, when we come back, we might uh, look at a, another couple of Commonwealth Games issues. And don't forget, there's an all-black test match coming up this weekend. And how important do our panellists think this is for Ian Foster? Big opinions, the panel. Uh, Brad Lewis and uh, Aidan McLaughlin uh, with us this morning. Uh, Brad, uh, just uh, before we leave uh, the Commonwealth Games, uh, what are you still looking forward to? I mean, track and field is uh, just getting underway shortly, but um, uh, what what more uh, in terms of our prospects? Uh, A record medal haul overall, you think? I mean, you'd hope so. What? 17 golds the record in Auckland in 1990. I think we're on track with that. I mean, we could get four golds at the squash court alone, Smithy, uh, potentially, and Joel and Paul certainly on, on their way to that. We've got Tom Walsh, uh, you know, we've, we've got a, a couple of good track and field athletes. Uh, we know Zoe Hobbs is in really good form at the moment. Um, so, I mean, if we could hit the 20s in gold medals, it would be an amazing achievement uh, f- from that perspective. Um, and, Smithy, I reckon the dark horses for a gold are the White Ferns. I really do. Like, a, you know, a 2020 game... Just takes just takes a Sophie Devine or Susie Bates innings to to win that game for New Zealand and and so so watch the space on that. Okay, um, that's an interesting one. I hadn't uh, really considered uh, them as gold medal prospects. I think certainly uh, it was a very important win when they beat South Africa. It looked like they've got a, a chance to play for a medal. But uh, I just some I, I just uh, Aiden having uh, been involved with the women's fifty over World Cup. I just kind of think uh, breaking down Australia is nigh on impossible with the squad they've got at the moment. Yeah, Australia I think would probably be a bridge too far, but that doesn't mean that they can't can't go well against the other teams. Um, Sri Lanka tomorrow and then be a big game against England uh, on the Friday, I think that's Friday. Uh, so that's that's going to be a huge test of, of this new re- regime. Um, but yeah, I think Australia will ultimately too, be too strong in the T20s. Uh, but in terms of other things I'm looking forward to, I've really been enjoying the squash, you know, uh, as Brad mentioned, Joel and Paul. That game with Joel King last night was absolutely fantastic. Um, I know you had Dave Worsley on earlier talking about that, but that second game in particular in that quarterfinal was just was just really, really top-quality stuff and very, very tense, actually. So looking forward to see how they get on. Uh, also, as you mentioned, the athletics is going to be great stuff. 
and yeah, I mean, still more swimming to go uh, with Lewis and, and Andrew, and uh, all sorts of things going on. It's actually really tough to keep up, <laughs> to be honest with you. That's no, phenomenal. Uh, you know, I, I remember back in what 1974, Commonwealth Games was on one channel, and uh, it wasn't possible to cover all the events live like the, the, we see them. We're pretty spoilt these days. Um, and, and I'll tell you who would be very happy about the, the Commonwealth Games and the success for the Commonwealth Games, uh, Brad Lewis. I reckon New Zealand rugby will be because it's taken the heat off them, and it seems like forever ago we lost to Ireland and Wellington. So much has been said, written, and done uh, off the field of play. It's about time we got back on it. How important this test match for Ian Foster? Yeah, it feels like that story's gone away right after the Steve Hansen stuff last week. It sort of disappeared off the face of the planet. Uh, but look, my expectations is that we're going to lose both these tests, Smithy, and, and uh, South Africa are a very, very good side, and I just I can't see how they can turn this around. I know there's the you know the prospect of playing fresh opposition, but arguably we're playing a better side in South Africa and harder to beat at home than beating Ireland uh, in New Zealand. So... Uh, look, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see some changes to that starting 15. Will Jordan at fullback, uh, Caleb Clark potentially. I think Richie Mwanga probably deserves a start at first 5-8. But aside from that, who can they bring in to make a big difference? The forward pack go, uh, in that final test with White Lock at Lock was about as good as we can get. Um, I, I, I hope that they've given up on the Scott Barrett at six experiment. Uh, but yeah, my expectation is that we're going to lose these two tests and more pressure will be piled onto Ian Foster's shoulders in a couple of weeks' time. Well, I'm, I'm not sure, Aidan, the pressure went off or has gone off his shoulders because yeah. um, uh, it was interesting the comment uh, from Mark Robinson, the CEO, where uh, he basically said uh, Ian Foster is good for these two tests in South Africa. Uh, didn't go any further than that, and I found that quite intriguing, actually, uh, because they've said nothing, and all of a sudden to come out with a, um, a slightly obscure statement like that was, was a bit weird. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it would have been quite easy for him to say words to the effect of, you know, Ian has our full confidence going forward. He, he's the man we're backing. But for him to actually bring in the, the, the words South Africa tour, uh, which was quite surprising, wasn't it? And I think it probably does just indicate where New Zealand rugby are with the situation. I mean, four losses out of five. If they lose another two, six out of seven, then you come back for the rugby championship. Is it time to draw a line in the sand and say, OK, we need a new coach for the rugby cha- for the remainder of the rugby championship. Two games against Argentina at home, which, well, in terms of rugby championship fixtures, is probably about as as gentle an introduction as you're going to get. Uh, but is that the right time to actually just make that change? Uh, he's certainly still under pressure. It just seems that perhaps we, as the sporting public and the, and the viewers, uh, are probably just a little bit distracted at the moment. But certainly, he's under as much pressure as, as ever. And uh, if they lose that first test this weekend, it's just going to ramp up even more. It's interesting. Uh, fellas, uh, interesting. Yep. I, so, sorry, so I just feel like the, the draw for Ian Foss is interesting. Like if we're playing the Pumas this weekend and two te- uh, like this weekend and next weekend, and then the Wallabies leading into a South African tour, maybe that would give have given the All Blacks time to to build on something against two teams that they should beat. Whereas they're going over and playing the World Champs, it couldn't have come at a worse time for Foster. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually. Although, having said that, uh, if you're vulnerable, I'm not quite sure you want to to go to Argentina and have them smell a bit of blood because they're ones you do not want to lose, Brad. Even though, you know, as you say, we that were slightly weaker opposition. At home, Argentina with the right scent in the, their nostrils are not. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's crazy, right? This is where the All Blacks have got to. That we're sitting here on a, on a sporting panel, Smithy. You've been to a thousand rugby test matches, and the All Blacks are going into these games as underdogs against South Africa. Like I can't see how any sports bet person in his right mind could make the All Blacks favourites for these two tests. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin, um, I see uh, overnight where they've named uh, the uh, European. Uh, Golf uh, Federation or whatever you like to call it, the DP Tour, etc. The RNA they've named as their Ryder Cup captain, one Luke Donald, to take over from Henrik Stenson. And Henrik Stenson, of course, uh, having defected to uh, Live Golf, turns around and wins the first tournament he plays in. <laughs> Weird week. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think I think Luke Donald was probably the the, the logical choice, really, Smithy. Uh, I, I think he was probably a little bit unlucky not to be named. Ryder Cup captain this time around in the first place. So, you know, he's a, he's a, a guy who's had a, a decent playing career, uh, a very, very good Ryder Cup career as well, going back, I think, to about 2004, I think was his debut. So he's been in and around that setup for a long time, both as a player and an assistant coach. So so they'll go really well under him. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is a weird world we're living in when it comes to golf at the moment, isn't it? It really is. That's strange, it really is. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin there with us uh, and Brad Lewis have been our panellists this morning. Thank you, gentlemen, for your opinions. Look forward to many, many more uh, medals coming in terms of uh, our New Zealand team. It's just been uh, sparkling, I think. Sparkling is a good word. Uh, 10.42 here on SNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. 10.47 and uh, about 10.47 last night actually I was riveted watching women's bowls um, I didn't want to get stuck into it because I wanted to just nod off and uh, get ready for uh, another day here but uh, I just couldn't take my eyes off it and it was really really interesting and uh, the New Zealand women's force team of Val Smith uh, of course who uh, is the skip uh, Taylor Bruce, Selena Goddard and Nicole Toomey taking on India well, at one stage, New Zealand were up 6-1 after about four ends, and I thought, this is a cakewalk. I even thought, no, I'll turn it off and watch something else. No, uh, just kept on and kept on. India kept coming back at them time after time. Came down to the very last bowl, the very last bowl of the 15th end, and uh, Val Smith had the opportunity to draw a shot and to win. New Zealand were holding uh, the lead at that point by one. Couldn't draw the shot. India actually picked up two, and we lost the opportunity to win uh, a gold medal. So uh, New Zealand will now in the fours, uh, play for the bronze medal and they'll be playing against Fiji. But it was very, very interesting stuff. Uh, you can text us, by the way, uh, 8833. Uh, our Mount Rushmore this morning, Logan Swinkles and myself, is on Commonwealth Games moments or Commonwealth Games performances involving uh, New Zealanders over the years. So I'd love to hear if you've got one or two. Uh, text us through on 8833 and we'll uh, put them over the air. Uh, mentioned uh, also during the panel about uh, Luke Donald replacing Henrik Stenson as Europe's Ryder Cup captain. Well, that has come to pass. Uh, Four-minute world number one, Luke Donald. Uh, we forget how good a golfer he was. Um, and uh, Stenson, of course, was stripped of the role be- as he joined, openly joined uh, Live Golf Invitational Series. Stenson was removed uh, hours before the Swede announced he was joining the lucrative uh, Saudi-backed series. And Donald uh, taken over Golf Week, said he, uh, he told Golf Week magazine that he would absolutely love to take over. It would be a real honour. He's never finished on the losing side as a player in four to Ryder Cup appearances, Luke Donald, winning 10.5 points from his 15 matches, which is actually quite phenomenal. 
served as a vice captain when Europe uh, regained the Ryder Cup by beating the United States in 2018. Previously said he had been approached to not been approached to play in the LIV series, but added he had turned down a broadcast role with the Breakaway League. It is now uh, 10:49 here on SENZ. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt uh, joins us this morning on behalf of Thoroughbred Racing New Zealand. And before we get into the racing side of it, uh, Louis, we're, our Mount Rushmore today is about favourite Commonwealth Games moments. Uh, have you have you got one now, or have you just found one in the last uh, few days? Oh, Commonwealth Games moments. Um, that's great. I probably where I straight away go is Delhi 2010, the Silver Ferns. Um, that absolute epic against the Aussies in the final, peak Irene Van Dyke, right? Okay, I'll take that on board. Uh, wasn't uh, one that I've got in my top four, and uh, Logan and I will be announcing that at about uh, 11.40 this morning. Uh, getting on to the equine side of things, though, the Tangerine Army are uh, soon to step out in force, uh, looking for a very, very big spring. Yeah, exactly, Smithy. Hey, try frame this market up for me. If we if we have to price this market, this weekend at Ruakaka, we've got Imperatriz going up there. She'll probably be carrying about 59 kgs in Opie Blossom. We've got Entrevier, who's going to go up there. So instead of trialling, they're going to send her to Ruakaka. So she'll have the top weight. I probably would suggest I'll put a claimer on her. And then you've got On the Bubbles. Uh, Bolly, as he's affectionately known, down the bottom of the book or somewhere near it, it was probably about 53, 54, depending on the exact ratings. I can't quite recall on Trivia's rating. Um, so throw in Dragon Leap to that mix. How would you price that market up? Like, that's going to be incredibly tricky for the bookies to work out because Bolly trialled very well, I thought, from the bubbles that is. Uh, Imperatrice trialled like a bull. She was an absolute machine. And then you've got Entrevier who didn't trial well. They're using this race this weekend at Royal Kaka as that trial. Um, she's got all the class factors. She goes very well fresh, though. She is proven. She's gone very close to big races in Australia. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I dare say, and I don't know the exact prices, but I reckon they'll stagger it. Imperatrice favourite, on trivia, close second favourite, on the bubbles not far away, and then Dragon Leap there. But really interested to see who turns up at this 1,100-metre race at Ruakaka on Saturday. Only $35,000. Can you believe those horses are going to be racing for just 35000 I don't. I don't believe that, actually. In fact, um, I can. T- uh, I see Mark Walker has said probably uh, Niranjan Palmer to, ro- Palmer to ride on Trivia um, at the weekend with a 3K claim. So there you go. I'd be following Opie. I'd be following Opie. I think Smart Money follows Opie wherever he goes. And Smiling Joe Camerudin, perhaps, with uh, On the Bubble. So uh, very, very interesting indeed when we, we frame that up. Racing today, of course, is in, uh, just on the Australian side of things at Coleraine. Now, there's a fair wine. Uh, Warwick, Tamworth and Maruya. So, um, Louis, uh, thank you very much for that. Look forward to that. We'll catch up tomorrow with his uh, racing in New Zealand. Uh, and Ernest, I think Cambridge tomorrow on the synthetic. So we'll talk to that uh, more about that tomorrow. Uh, Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Paul, um, gee whiz, if you've been back in some of the New Zealand swimmers and cyclists, you might be making a, a fistful uh, over there in Birmingham. 
And there are a few punters who have done that. Yes, that's right. The cycling team has been outstanding uh, and the swimming team haven't been too far behind. Of course, there's more action in Birmingham uh, later on tonight. We've got the T20 cricket match between the New Zealand woman um, and the Sri Lankan woman. Um, New Zealand, uh, very, very hot favourites here. But in the top run scorer market, uh, no surprises. Sophie Devine at $3 and Susie Bates at three twenty have been the best back to top score for the uh, New Zealand woman in that match. Uh, just down a little bit further down the page. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, on the men's time trial, of course, Aaron Gate, who uh, picked up gold overnight. He's a $26 shot to win the gold medal in the men's time trial. Uh, the favourite there, the Australian Rohan Dennis at $2. Uh, and Garen Thomas, the Welshman, who's had success at Olympics and at Commonwealth Games. He's at $3.10 on the second line of betting. Uh, plenty of action in Birmingham for punters to get into. Uh, and, of course, Tony Finau, who picked up his second tournament in a row. Uh, you could have got on a power play. Tony Finau and uh, Patrick Cantlay to Quinella that at $67. Congratulations to those what? punters who did get on. Oh, didn't realise that. You could have a... And they're the two best-performed golfers in the field, and... and Man, 67 bucks? That's amazing value, Paul. Phenomenal value. 67. Thing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Time to talk some hoops now. And, uh, of course, we've been uh, heavily involved with uh, 3x3 in um, Commonwealth Games as well as the sales NBL carries on. Tawi'i is uh, having its uh, inaugural season and uh, by all accounts very successful as well. So plenty to talk about now and uh, we've got uh, Justin Nelson with us of course, um, yeah, co-host of SENZ's own basketball show Hoop Heads. Uh, the uh, 3x3 basketball is enjoying quite a time actually uh, during the Commonwealth Games with the Tall Ferns finishing top of their pool undefeated and advancing straight to the semi-finals. However, the Canadians winning 16-11 to end uh, New Zealand's run earlier today. Um, meanwhile, the Tall Blacks have also unfortunately waved goodbye to their medal hopes after going down to Canada as well, 21-18 in the quarterfinals. So, uh, Justin, on the, if you go looking for medals on uh, in the scheme of things, I, I would imagine a lot of people will say it hasn't been that successful, but um, has it been in your eyes? Oh, good morning, Smithy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that... Uh, we're, we're, we're such a young nation when it comes to 3x3 compared to what's going on around the world, especially in Europe and, and obviously the States and, and Canada, as you've mentioned, you know, got those two wins this morning. Um, we're, we're getting better and better. You know, we've, we've won some, some medals on the global stage, certainly through the, the junior competitions um, and, uh, and Asia Cup. Uh, and right now, you know, the, the 3x3 Tall Ferns have a chance at a bronze medal. Well, they'll... They'll take on the Aussies, uh, and I think we'll compete really well. So, yeah, look, bigger and better things ahead in 3x3. Again, we're so young in this game, and, and to be doing what we're doing on the world stage right now is pretty impressive. What about this young Jaden Bazant? Tell us a wee bit about Jaden. Yeah, look, he, he, he's a really crafty player. Uh, you know, we've seen that since he's come back from, from college. We saw it in the 2020 showdown in the in the Cells NBL and, and certainly the last couple of seasons. He's, he's time with the Manawatu Jets and, and now playing with the Franklin Bulls uh, here in the in the NBL. Uh, he, he's a dynamic guard. He's, he's got a long-range shot. 
uh, has the ability to get to the basket, can take contact. Uh, he's purpose-built for 3x3. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he, he definitely plays on adrenaline, uh, and he can score very, very quickly. When he heats up, he's incredibly hard to stop. Good turn of speed, can change up his approach to the basket, and, and obviously he had a great game uh, today, earlier today against Canada. Yeah, it's close. 21-18, they were in there with a, a real snuff. Uh, and what about the, the tall fern side of it as, as such? How would you re- review their performance overall? Yeah, really good. I mean, you get through to the final four at this level of competition. Uh, it's impressive. And, and let's not forget, there's still a big medal chance. Um, you know, Kalani Purcell, who's been a part of the, the tall ferns program for a while now and plying her trade over in Australia, uh, she's world class, um, you know, one of the best defenders in basketball, not only here in New Zealand, but, but also in the Australian WNBL as well. You know, she's ranked one of the very, very elite defenders. And it's been great to see Gillian Harmon back playing uh, in, in the black singlet as well. You know, she's another uh, really proud, uh, you know, uh, Kiwi representative who's, again, been playing most of her career over in Europe. She's been over there for you know, the best part of a decade. So to see her back playing in New Zealand colours has been exciting as well. Have you seen enough in the, the 3X3 to, to um, reinforce the idea that um, it could well be a permanent uh, Commonwealth Games sport, Justin, or would you prefer to see 5-on-5 five five perhaps? Uh, look, I think 5-on-5 five five really belongs at that world championship level. Um, that, that, that's, to me, the pinnacle uh, and of course, we still have it, you know, through uh, the Olympics. But I think three x three, you know, given it's an urban game, you know, it's being played in mass numbers across the world, and it's growing so rapidly, especially amongst the youth. I think that you're going to see three x three find a permanent home, both at Olympic level and at Commonwealth level. Uh, and that's, you know, by way of mass participation. It's such a big sport. Uh, out in the street, you know, out in the schoolyard, uh, and it's certainly growing at, at a at a at a rate where, uh, you know, on the world stage, we're going to see a lot more of it. There's no doubt about that. Right? Can we come uh, back home then? Uh, actually, uh, to be honest, I think the uh, the three uh, X three comes back to New Zealand in October for the ship ship cup. I think 32 teams featuring uh, some of our best players. So uh, that'll be a good a good concept. Just to see how popular it is at home. Yeah, look, down in Invercargill, and we, we had this competition in uh, 20... Oh, jeez, it's a while ago now. 2019, I believe it was. Uh, or maybe it was towards the end of 2020. And then, obviously, um, it's been put on ice in recent times with uh, with COVID interruption. So it's terrific that it's back. If you haven't been um, or seen what was delivered in the first Shit Cup, uh, Smithy, it, look, it is fast and furious. This game is so physical uh, I think it takes a lot of people by surprise. And just the sheer nature of the quick turnover of games, uh, it makes it you know, for great TV viewing, but also fantastic to be there in person. And it is a party atmosphere. It's a party product. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, and the fans enjoy it when they go along. So, yeah, Shit Cup comes back in, uh, in October. 32 teams, as you mentioned. Perhaps there'll be an international element as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but it's going to be exciting. Right, uh, talk about exciting. The Sales NBL is getting to uh, very much the business end of it. I just uh, checked in with the table this morning. The Giants uh, 
atop uh, with uh, tw- 12 wins from 16, and uh, they've got a really important match tonight with the ever-improving Saints side of such a rich history, of course, in New Zealand basketball. About eight wins from 16, so it's a catch-up game for both of them in terms of the rest of the table. Um, tell us a wee bit about the prospects for this one now that the Saints are a different unit altogether. Well, this is the best offence in the Saints going up against the best defence in the Giants. The Giants win tonight. They lock in the number one seed. And if you've been following the Sells NBL and the new Final Six system, uh, even just to get to the Final Six, I mean, it is red hot, this competition. In the next, you know, four days, uh, sorry, a little bit longer than that, the next five days, we're going to find out how the Final Six settles uh, for this season. And right now, it goes eight deep. There's going to be head-to-head implications. Uh, those final spots are going to definitely move around uh, as the, uh, you know, the final regular season round unfolds. But tonight's game is going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell us whether the Saints are genuine. Uh, we know they're on a run. We know they're storming home. We know they are loaded with talent. But we're about to find out whether they are genuine contenders for the title this season. It'll be 4,000 people uh, at TSB Bank Arena in Wellington on a Tuesday night, live coverage on TV. It's going to arguably be, hopefully, the best game of the regular season. There's just so much at play for the Saints and for the Giants. The Giants win tonight. They go in rank number one, finish top of the table. That's just amazing stuff when you consider the way the Giants have battled for so many years. Canary Rams held the Southland Sharks to just 16 points in the first half on Saturday night before going on to win 106-55, which is probably one of the, the biggest margins in the, the Sales NBL that I can recall this year. Coach Judd Flavel has endured an up-and-down season with the Rams, and uh, they face the Hawks next time around. Now the Hawks are currently sitting fourth equal, nine from 17. How do you see this one going? Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's probably the most disappointing uh, game I've seen from the Sharks in the last few years, and that one really stung. But the story out of it is about the Rams, because if the Rams can beat the Hawks uh, this Saturday, both teams will finish on 9 and 9. If you look at the head-to-head, the Hawks currently hold a plus two-point advantage. So the Rams win by three or more. They get head-to-head on the Hawks. But the way things are looking, we could have three, four teams that end up on nine wins apiece Or if results go the other way, we could end up with three or four teams on 10 wins apiece. That's how tight it is. The mini ladder and the way that it works uh, is going to be uh, a lot of fun as the mathematicians sit down uh, on Sunday and try and work it all out. Well, the Taranaki is, as they're currently known, the first uh, Taranaki basketball franchise entered the league uh, back in 1985 as the New Plymouth Bulls. They've never won it, Uh, Justin. They have never won it. If they're going to, um, they're uh, a chance this, this time around because Trent Adam uh, has, seems to have the side uh, peaking at the right end of the season. Oh, this is the success story of the, of the season, Smithy. I mean, if you love your basketball and you love the fairy tale and the dream that goes with it, these guys are dreaming big. I spoke to Aaron Bailey Knoll before Friday's game in, uh, in Franklin last week. And he said the place is just buzzing. The whole city, New Plymouth, the Taranaki region, everyone's talking basketball. They play this Thursday night against the Giants. If the Giants lose to the Saints tonight and the Airs beat the Giants on Thursday night, the Airs will go in rank number one. 
and that is just made for a fairy tale. If you haven't seen this team play, I've got to tell you, you sit there courtside and you see these guys get up and down the floor at breakneck speed. They're so much fun to watch and they genuinely want to entertain people. That's why I love seeing them play and that's why I think there's a lot of people, obviously Airs fans, but a lot of people who aren't Airs fans that are living this dream at the moment. And uh, the fairy tale, if it comes about, what a uh, just a, a monumentous season uh, for the heirs. It would be some sort of a story for sure. What about the story of uh, Corey Webster? He's had a terrific season for the Bulls this year um, and it looks like he's going on to bigger, better things with Perth, does it? Yeah, look, he's, he's headed to Australia straight off the back of this sales NBL season and you know, Corey Webster has certainly done all that he can to try and lift the Bulls into the final six. And you talk about the games coming up, you know, this week. The Bulls themselves sit eighth on the ladder, but still a chance to make it. They've got the Southern Swing. They take on the Sharks and the Nuggets. Now, there's a couple of teams that have completed the Southern Swing successfully this season. It's a really hard trip. Corey Webster's going to have to have one heck of a few days of basketball if the Bulls ever claim two wins on the road. The Nuggets, of course, are still in there, and they're trying to make the final six, so they're not going to be easy. Uh, but Webster has done everything he possibly can since joining the Bulls to get them up. He's a lot of fun to watch. For me, he's probably uh, one of two players in the Cells NBL who makes it look so effortless. The other is Xavier Cooks at the Saints. You know, if you're a young fan, just get out and see these guys uh, do what they do. Uh, they, they just make it look so easy at times. And um, I think there's a lot of players, you know, who are jealous uh, when you see those sorts of guys, you know, get out and do what they do. But, look, Webster's a star. He's in the back end of his career. He's got another contract in the ANBL. Not sure what comes for him post that, but he's still getting the job done. Okay, so Justin, we assume that the, the Giants will make the last four um, and uh, the Airs as well, um, the way things are going now. That leaves two spots. Uh, as we look at the table now, we're looking at uh, the Tuatara and their uh, inaugural season under that uh, franchise name, the Bayhawks, uh, the Nuggets floating around with the Saints and the Rams. Can you finalise those last two spots? Oh, look, it's a great question. It's a million-dollar question. What a competition it's been. Everyone is talking about uh, just how close, you know, the, the, the Cells NBL is this season. The Giants are locked in. The Airs are locked in. Um, the Tuatara are locked in. Certainly the Airs and Giants can move positions in those top two, depending on what happens tonight uh, here in Wellington and on Thursday night in New Plymouth. If the Hawks beat the Rams, they're there. They're safe. Um, the Rams have to win... They've got to get it by three plus. It's going to go down to a mini ladder. But the Hawks win, they're safe. If the Nuggets win, uh, they're safe. The Saints have to win both for me to get in. One may not be enough. Again, it'll come down to that mini ladder. The pressure right now is on the Rams. They must defeat the Hawks if there's any chance. And the Bulls are the long outsiders at the moment. They've got to get both wins and hopefully a few other things go their way. So... Look, it's anyone's guess. It's been that sort of a season. Uh, and then, when all that's said and done, we've then got the final six. And if anyone right now can tell me who's going to win the 2022 championship in the Cells NBL, you're a genius. 
Uh, I think we can probably tell you who's going to win um, the inaugural season of uh, Toi'i um, if we look at the table at this point. Um, do you see it uh, changing from uh, the fact that uh, uh, the northern side have uh, completely dominated 18 points uh, next uh, is the mid-northern side. The power seems to be up north in women's basketball uh, this time around uh, anyway, Justin. Yeah, look, they've had a wonderful season, the Kahu, haven't they? Unbeaten at the moment. You know, the Queens really put on uh, their best performance uh, a couple of days ago against the um, Puakai. That, that was a really stirring win and, and one that says that, you know, if there's a team that can uh, continue uh, to, to get better as the season goes on, it's, it's the Queens for me. And, uh, you know, they've still got to play the Kahu another couple of times. So let's see how that pans out in the next couple of weeks. But right now... Kahu look good. Uh, Hoi Hoi look like they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, and as you well know, you know, you do get to that playoff situation. It's a final four in the Toihi, which means semi-finals on the Friday night, 1v4, 2v3. Two winners go through to the grand final on the Saturday night. In Nelson, um, the final four is going to be played. Looking forward to that. You get to that stage, anything can happen. Kahu have had a great season but we've definitely seen many teams in many sports over the years have a great season. You get to that final stage, and, of course, they uh, come unstuck. So, you know, let's see what happens. Good news for SENZ listeners uh, that uh, all six games um, over the finals uh, playoffs will be uh, broadcast here on uh, SENZ. And, of course, uh, also Hoopheads tomorrow night. Um, with uh, Justin and Casey Frank. What have you got up your sleeve? I guess a review of tonight's big clash and what else? Yeah, there'll definitely be a lot to talk about. Um, you can never stop Casey from talking, so it's uh, it's going to be a bit of fun tomorrow night. Uh, it is always lighthearted at the best of times, but right now there is a serious element to it because uh, that final six battle in the Cells NBL uh, is deserved of a lot of attention. And then, as you said, you know, next week, uh, every game at the final six being played at uh, at Event Finder on the North Shore. Every game will be live on SENZ. And uh, we've got a really good team together uh, to bring you all the action, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. What's uh, on line for us next, um, would you know, Justin, for the Tall Blacks five-on-five five unit as such and the, and the Tall Ferns? What's coming up in terms for those after the pretty successful um, outing in terms of the Asia Cup with that pretty inexperienced side. What's next in line? Yeah, Tall Blacks are on the road next. I think they take on Syria and then they're back home to take on Jordan uh, later this month, uh, towards the end of this month. So there's going to be another chance to get out there and, and see the Tall Blacks in action. Of course, that's all about the, uh, the qualifying period uh, for World Cup. Tall Ferns, I believe... Uh, nothing's been announced yet. I expect an announcement coming up in the next week or two. But I think the Tall Ferns off the back of the inaugural Toihi competition uh, will have a home series against uh, maybe up to three visiting international teams. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I expect uh, there'll be an announcement in the near future. So if you love uh, your international basketball, not just the Tall Blacks, but we're finally going to get to see the Tall Ferns playing some games on home soil as well. So that's pretty exciting. Sure is. Absolutely. Uh, hoop heads tomorrow night, folks, uh, here on SENZ. Plenty of basketball uh, on Sky on SENZ as well. It's just been a feast 
uh, with the the sales NBL this year and of course the inaugural season of uh, GJ Gardner Tau'i'i. Uh, thank you very much Justin for uh, your updates there and your predictions. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Hey, good on, good on you Smithy and who are you going for tonight? Saints or Giants? <clears throat> um, Nelson Bourne, what do you reckon? Educated in Wellington <laughs> though. Uh, I went to, I went to Rongatai well, College, which was a very strong basketball school back in my day, I can tell you that. So, uh, look, I, can, I, can I possibly just get splinters for this one tonight? Yeah, as expected, you're a lot like me, sitting right in the middle of the fence. Well done. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Um, enjoy talking to you. It's 11.21 here on... Sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, you might have heard uh, Logan with a promo there uh, about Nikki Jenkins' performance uh, back uh, making her the youngest ever uh, when she won uh, her particular gold medal in the vault. Um, and David has uh, come in with his text to say that is his Mount Rushmore moment, Nikki Jenkins, 1990 gymnastics. Um, uh, Tony from Hawke's Bay has come in and said his Rushmore is Mark Rendell and Brian Fowler winning the gold and silver respectively in the men's road race at uh, Victoria 1994. Took everybody by surprise. Um, and uh, Ian has come in uh, and said Kelly Brazier, which is staff's one as well, um, on the Gold Coast going paddock, uh, going the whole paddock, shattering Aussie hearts in the process. A glorious feeling, yeah. I wonder if uh, they've looked back on that uh, and been thinking, yeah, if only, if only. Uh, still, they'll be gutted. I think the word was gutted coming out of um, the Black Sticks, uh, the Black Ferns Sevens, uh, unfortunate. Uh, just reiterating, the, the men's Black Sticks got a hiding this morning from Australia, 7-2, pretty much completely uh, outclassed. They're always chasing the game. Uh, I think it's fair to say they are a step or two above us at the moment in the men's side of things. Matthew said, I watched the bowls game from uh, the women's fours. A great watch, but Val Smith played terribly. Now Val Smith, 57-year-old, vastly experienced. They were skip of the fours. Uh, the other three uh, ladies in, in, the, in this group were pretty young by comparison, certainly an international experience. So uh, good signs, though, that uh, they're getting through, and they'll play Fiji for the bronze medal. Um, I was one of the kids that ran out. Uh, in 1974, he said, have formed the iconic symbol on the inner field at the opening ceremony. This is Matthew. What a cool story, Matthew. Part of that opening ceremony of the uh, very, very memorable 1974 Commonwealth Games Stadium uh, there at uh, Queen Elizabeth down there in Christchurch. Um, Simon has come in and said, look, uh, uh, now Simon's the man who's been saying, look, don't even think about uh, Aaron Gate at 26 bucks. Don't think about him. Think about uh, Rowan Dennis and Geraint Thomas now. I just looked at the market there actually for uh, that uh, men's uh, time trial. And uh, G- uh, Rowan Dennis, the Australian's at $2. Geraint Thomas, the Welshman, at $3.10. Lucas Plapp uh, from Australia at 4 Luke Durbridge at $19 from Australia. Look like they've got a mortgage on it, don't they? Uh, the Australians, apart from Geraint Thomas, stuck there in the middle. Uh, and Aaron Gate is at $26. So... Uh, there you go. We shall have uh, time now, I think, uh, for the news uh, with Araha. Uh, and then, of course, I think we'll uh, have a bit of the old stump smithy, shall we? A bit of the stump smithy, 50 bucks up for grabs from the TAB today. So uh, get on the phones at 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. That's news time. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 
and how top class have our athletes been, Smithy, at the Com Games? It's been so exciting to watch. We're only four days into it. We've got a whole bunch more ahead of us, mate. And we also have Stumped, of course, this morning. After grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet. Joining us at the crease, we have Terry from Auckland coming in. Come in, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good. How are you liking your chances against Smithy? Oh, might depend on these categories. <laughs> might well depend on the categories, Terry. But uh, what about uh, what's been your highlights so far in the Commonwealth Games? Oh, I think it's cycling for sure. Always entertaining, and yeah, it's been thing that I've enjoyed the most. I think. Yeah, I, I think you're amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. What I do hope is that it that means that there'll be more velodromes around the country at some point. But it's how quickly mm. we forget about some of these performances. Um, anyway, uh, let's uh, get stuck into it. Uh, the categories today, Logan R. Yeah, very good point there, Smithy. Uh, due to how amazing things have been going, I'm, I'm sticking with one category here, a bit like the other day with a good friend of the show, Zaid. Commonwealth Games. Gentlemen, testing your knowledge here. Uh, let's go. Good luck to you. All right, Terry, first question for you. If Australia, England, and New Zealand sit first, second, and third in the medal tally, where is Canada on the table for the Birmingham Games after day four? Oh, hey, I'm South Africa, England, Scotland. Oh, they're all right there. Uh, I have to say, I think they're in fourth. I know they got more medals than us overall. I think they're on a point by goal. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, fourth is correct, Smithy. Six goals, 11 silver, and 16 bronze. Was that going to be your answer? Well, it was, because I checked the medal table just before with Smithy's <laughs> medal table, you see, so I know exactly where Canada was, so that was that was going to be a given for me, and unfortunately, Terry snuffed that one out. It's a good, it's a good warm-up question, you know. You need to warm up before you get to the crease. There you go. You've smacked one for six. Terry, on to the next question. Dame Sophie Pascoe has won her fifth Commonwealth Games gold medal. In which swimming discipline did she win her first gold medal? I don't need, I don't need the meters or anything. Just the discipline. Okay, I was going to say yes or nine or something. Um, <laughs> um, Sophie, please. I'm going to have to say first. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Freestyle is probably the uh, the go-to guess there, Smithy. Over to you. I'm going to go butterfly. One of the worst things. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. The answer I was looking for was the breast stroke, the 100 metre SB9 breast stroke. Uh, so you're still in line there, Terry, for a potential $50 TAB bonus bet. Last question. And I think this actually came up earlier uh, in our chat with Dave Worsley. Aussie Rules football was a demonstration sport at the 1982 Commonwealth Games, but was never included in the main program. Which city hosted that year? 1982 was in Brisbane. 
Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, mate, that is correct. You'd think, hey, maybe the home of Aussie rules Melbourne, but no, Brisbane is the correct answer. Smithy? Well, I've got a very good uh, AFL team up in Brisbane, at least one good one. The Brisbane Lions have always been very good and well uh, supported, so um, yeah, I wouldn't be uh, too phased about that because uh, I, I don't I don't ever see it being a part of the, the Commonwealth Games full time. Though I mean, honestly, it's, it's I mean the Commonwealth Games doesn't have to be global, but it has to be more than one place, surely. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, uh, Terry! Congratulations, Terry, on um, on winning this morning. Stay on the line and uh, Brian will get your details and we'll get that money to you as soon as we possibly can. It is 11.36 here on SENZ. We'll be back with Mount Rushmore very shortly. It's uh, Jimi Hendrix's instrumental version of the Star Spangled Banner, which uh, signals it's time for our Mount Rushmore, as we do every Tuesday. Uh, and our Tuesday uh, subject this time around is, uh, of course, the Commonwealth Games, and why wouldn't it be? Uh, we had uh, a number of texts that have uh, come in uh, on your favourites. Uh, now it's uh, the turn of uh, myself and uh, Logan Swinkles. Uh, we've got some great clips to play as well in the next uh, few minutes as we just look back on those highlights as well. But one unfortunate we haven't got a clip for is my number four, and it's quite unusual. I would have thought we'd have had any number of clips of this uh, fantastic young lady, um, and that is Sarah Ulmer. Sarah Ulmer, uh, of course, is the queen, or was the queen uh, back there uh, around about uh, 2002, 2004. In fact, as early as 1998, uh, the queen of uh, individual pursuit. Uh, and she set uh, all sorts of records, winning medals all along the way. She won the three-kilometre kil- individual pursuit uh, at the 2004 Olympic Games, setting a world record in the process. She was an absolute flyer, um, and I chose her performance in Manchester when she won the gold medal back in 2002 as um, the reason why I've put her uh, in my top four. Logan, Sarah Ulmer, absolutely queen of the track. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. And Sarah Ulmer is a hard one for me to leave out, to be honest, because, I mean, when she was competing, she was really inspirational. And it was at that time when I was growing up, very impressionable young Kiwi. Uh, another uh, great New Zealander that competed at the Commonwealth Games that left an impression on me. We all remember 1998, the Kuala Lumpur Commonwealth Games, just the heat. The heat was the big storyline all throughout the humidity. Uh and, I mean, this isn't the highlight, but the highlight is how he bounced back from that. We remember Craig Barrett collapsing when he was leading the 500-kilometer walk, the, the race walker. And then he came back from that, Smithy, in 2002 to get silver. So for me, the fact that he came back from something like that and then still achieved four years later, I have to put him on my Mount Rushmore. He's just really inspirational. Okay, Craig Barrett. In fact, I think it might have been the 50k walk. Uh, if it was the 500k walk, I think every one of us would have. Did I say 500? <laughs> yeah, I meant 50. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest, uh, yeah, Craig Barrett. I remember those pictures. It was like painful. It was like very, very painful to watch. I mean, you could live it with him. Oh God, it was uh, it was absolutely tough. Anyway, let's uh, move on to uh, my uh, number three. Now, this bloke. Uh, he, he unfortunately has uh, passed away, uh, this bloke, but it was one of the great sights ever 
at the Commonwealth Games. Super heavyweight uh, lifter uh, Graham May. He won the gold uh, and back in 1974, but it wasn't without drama. Brilliant. <laughs> And luckily, the only thing damaged was the stage, and the people in the front row had to scatter pretty quickly as the weight rolled perilously close to. Yeah, that was Graham May. Uh, um, if you haven't seen the footage, you might be able to get it uh, on YouTube or Google it in some fashion. But uh, he actually uh, collapsed forward, and the, the the bar with its massive weight on it rolled off the stage towards the audience. And everyone really feared for Graham May. They thought this done himself some real injury, but he hadn't. Um, and then picked himself up and turned around and won the gold medal. Uh, absolutely giant of a man, big, big man, uh, passed away uh, at a very uh, early age, to be fair. But uh, Graham May, uh, the, the vision of that, I'll never forget, ever. Wow, yeah. Uh, and then speaking of memorable moments in the Commonwealth Games, Smithy, uh, I'm going back to, well, this is 1998, a gold medal moment for New Zealand. It was uh, actually New Zealand's first gold medal of those games, and it was the first time that Rugby Sevens was in the Commonwealth Games. I'm just going to play this clip, and then I'm, I'm going to rattle off the names because, my God, it is a who's who of New Zealand rugby greats. I'm pretty uh, elated, actually. It's uh, good to finally win something. I'm just, I can't really describe it. It's just awesome. Serena to make a tackle, and he missed it in with Caleb Ralph. That's our hundredth gold in Commonwealth Games. I mean, that's our first gold here and our hundredth of all time. That's fantastic. That was Les Mills, the chef of mission for those Commonwealth Games. The first voice you heard, Smithy, was Christian Cullen. Uh, they won that final 21 at 12. Uh, against Fiji. That audio comes courtesy of uh, Peter Williams and One News back in the day. But my gosh, this team, Smithy, Amicio Valance, Bruce Rehana, Caleb Ralph, Christian Cullen, Dallas Seymour, Eric Rush, the late great Joali Vendarian, also the GOAT, the late great John Olomu, Rico Gear, and Roger Randall. What a team that was. It's power and speed, isn't it? Power and speed when you realize Dallas Seymour was probably the architect of the whole thing. He was. Um, he was uh, the guy that the glue that held it all together. He had a long, really, really long uh, career in sevens, and he was quite inspirational as we were starting to form the game in this country. But uh, you wouldn't get that uh, kind of lineup now, of course, because you either commit yourself to sevens or you commit yourself to fifteens, and there's no real room for you to, particularly in the men's side of things, anyway, to jump the fence as such, as opposed to uh, some of the uh, Blackburn's women's side who are now back home from the Commonwealth Games bronze medal or about to be and will shortly join uh, the World Cup 15 squad um, for their quest for glory in the, the Rugby World Cup coming up later in the year. So, yeah, that that was, as you say, one hell of a rugby side. Uh, so, right, let's get up to uh, my number two. Uh, well, she was the queen of the pool back then, um, and uh, she was a local lass too. So she was a real darling, and she set the pool uh, atmosphere alike with uh, this performance winning the 800 metres back in 1974, and I'm talking about Janie Parkhouse. It's Terrell with 25 to go. Let's have a look at those other swimmers. Let's see how they go. And Parkhouse running the race of the night. And Parkhouse is in with a chance. 
It's Parkhouse, and Danny Parkhouse is there to let the bell go. It's Parkhouse all the way. The Jeremy Crowe's, I think she's done it. Parkhouse, it's won. Can she believe it? And she's broken five minutes. And she's won 858.4. What a hero. God almighty, does that not get you going? Gee whiz, Janie Parkhouse set the Commonwealth Games alight there in the pole. Just an absolutely fantastic performance. Lovely, lovely young lady. Presented herself beautifully. Just a great image for the sport back then. Just good story. Really cool story. Yeah, that was really awesome. Another one for my, uh, this is number two on my Mount Rushmore, Smithy, of Commonwealth Moments for New Zealand. This is the most recent ones, the Gold Coast Games uh, 2018. Black Sticks women winning gold 4-1 against the Aussies. To get there, they had to beat England in a penalty shootout. And just the fact that they had to do it against Australia in Australia just made it that much more sweeter. They had never, ever won gold before in the New Zealand women's hockey team. And it's their sixth match of the campaign. And it's the one that counted the most. They had one gold. The New Zealand women's hockey team, the Black Sticks, and the players and the crowd. And they've taken the game. And we will have a member of that team on the show tomorrow, 10 a.m., Sam Charlton, Smithy. Oh, fantastic. Look forward to that. Um, Leslie Murdoch there with the call. Um, courtesy of uh, the broadcasting service there. That was probably, I would imagine, TVNZ back in those days, I think, uh, one of the last ones that they did. Uh, right, uh, let's get down to uh, number one for me. Easy, very, very easy. Probably the greatest impression I've had um, away from uh, perhaps rugby and cricket and, and sport in this country. Simple, I'll just say it. Dick Taylor. Smithy, the crowd didn't. If you didn't, if you did not cry that afternoon, then you had ice in your veins. I promise you that. It was just in the most miraculous thing. Never expected to win it. Never planned it the day before in the pub with his coach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did a bit of training before that, I guess. But he, he planned. Uh, you know, he's a great storyteller, actually. Um, and Dick Taylor, if you've ever heard him tell the story of how uh, he won that and how he prepared for that. Just uh, with uh, the entrance fee alone. So that was him, the great man, Dick Taylor, back in 1974. Uh, and we're going to round out our Mount Rushmore here, Smithy, with one that we've heard a few people bring up. It is the double overtime win for the Silver Ferns back in 2010 in, in Delhi, beating was it Australia 66-64. Maria Falau was the one that uh, slotted the winner to get there. They had to uh, have a gap of two goals to, to be the winner. Went to extra time and then double extra time. It took 84 minutes for them to get there, Smithy, and just the, the grueling nature to do it. 
and in the manner in which they did it, that's why, or at least for me, it's number one. If they score here, the Silver Ferns, they've won it. Tutaya putting the Dodgers on. Brilliant take by Temapara George. It's in the hands of the one person we'd rather not have it. And that is it. Great win. Marvellous contest. Sherelle McMahon, Australian Diamonds captain, can't believe it. Who scored the gold in a similar circumstance eight years ago. The last time we went into extra, extra time. Never before have these two had to play so long for an outcome. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.